0: This evening we are looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. There's an insert in your bulletin for the notes there. And uh, if you don't have one of those, I'm not sure if the guys have any extra bulletins back there. If you need one of those, if you'll raise your hand, the guys will get to you. Just keep it up there for a few minutes and we'll help you get one of those. It's the insert in there. The importance and the value of sound doctrine. I want to spend some time... Uh, the next several weeks, dealing with something that is creeping into our churches today, and that is the false doctrine of Calvinism. And it has become a, a big issue in many churches. And this, this evening, I just want to kind of lay a foundation, because if we're going to recognize false doctrine and false teaching, we have to know the truth. And so I want to talk about tonight the importance and the value of sound doctrine, of having right doctrine, biblical doctrine. There are a lot of churches that don't even teach doctrine. They don't want to say anything about doctrine. But that's the foundation of everything that we believe. And so we want to see what God's Word says about this matter of sound doctrine tonight. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, Brother David read the verses for us, all Scripture not part or some, but the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. We believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. The word inspired means God breathed. In Psalms, the Bible says, Thy Word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. God's Word is eternal. It didn't just start when it was written down for us. It's forever been in heaven. And so that's an interesting thought. I was meditating on that verse a little bit this week, and I thought, you know, God's Word was written in heaven before time ever even began. And when men come up with new versions, God doesn't change His version in heaven, does He? It stays the same. And so He says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So as we think about the importance of sound doctrine, the value of sound doctrine, first of all, a couple of little just pointers as introduction that I want to mention is sound doctrine should ever and always remain a key issue for all believers. It is key for us to know sound doctrine, to know the truth, Jesus' plan was and is for the church to be the pillar and ground of the truth. And therefore, every child of God needs to see the importance and the value of embracing sound doctrine in our life, knowing it, loving it, and embracing it. Secondly, in general terms, the word doctrine refers to instruction or teaching that is given for the purpose of belief or acceptance. What do we teach? What do we believe? We believe that the Bible is the final authority, amen, in every area of our life. And so, therefore, our doctrine has to be biblically based. It comes from the Word of God. As believers, we see the Bible as the source of our doctrine. And it should be because we believe the Bible and the Bible alone is the sole authority for what we believe. The Bible teaches us what we ought to believe, and it teaches us what we ought to know. However, we must be aware that we live in a time today when many teachers and many preachers exist that are not profitable for belief or acceptance. There's a lot of things that are being taught that are not profitable for us. And consequently, we need to know what the Bible says. So the Bible and the Bible alone must be the believer's sole authority for faith and practice. The Bible and the Bible alone. Amen? You see, there are a number of other religions that will say, yes, we believe in the Bible, but we also have, for instance, the Mormons have the Bible. They say they believe the Bible, but they also believe the the Book of Mormon. And many other religions, they have their writings, they have the Bible, and then their writings to go along with it. We believe the Bible and the Bible alone is our sole authority. It is worthy to note that of the 51 times that the word doctrine is used in the Bible, it is accompanied by the word sound four times. In other words, there are four different times when God talks about not just doctrine, but he says sound doctrine, sound doctrine. When the word sound is mean, is used with the word doctrine, it is adding emphasis to that word doctrine, to the instruction. It is emphasizing the fact that the, that the doctrine is sound. It is pure. It is undefiled. It is solidly in line with the word of God and with what, what the Bible teaches. By contrast, it should not be teaching or instruction that is tainted or twisted or corrupted with error. And There is a lot of quote-unquote doctrine that is not sound doctrine. And God wants us to know that our doctrine that we teach must be based on the Word of God. Jesus warned his disciples about this false doctrine, unsound doctrine, tainted doctrine. He says in Matthew 16, 11, and 12, How is it that you do not understand that I spake not to you concerning bread, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were guilty of embracing and teaching unsound doctrine. Their doctrine was out of line. Their doctrine was contrary to the word of God. And when we refer to the importance of sound doctrine, we're speaking about doctrine that is truly what God's word teaches. Doctrine must be in line with the Bible in order for it to be sound doctrine. The Bible warns us often that the truths of the Word of God or its doctrines can be misconstrued, they can be twisted, they can even be denied. But every serious Bible student should be fully aware that Satan is a master of sowing the tares among the wheat, isn't he? He loves to put in the leaven in with the true Word of God. He likes to put in the false doctrine with that which is true. He loves to mix error with truth and present it as a representation of what God says. You see, the devil would love for us to accept what he says as what God says. He used the religious Pharisees and Sadducees in the Bible days to corrupt the truth with error. And so today, we have all kind of religious voices that are doing the same thing, that are mixing truth with error. I would argue with you this, this evening that Calvinism is one of those among them that is teaching error along with truth. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that Calvinists are evil people. They are good people. Many of them are sincere. However, sincerity must not substitute for truth. Amen? Many of the doctrines that Calvinists embrace and teach are truth that is corrupted with serious error. So that brings me to the next thing there on your notes, and that is this. This mixture of truth and error is something that none of us can afford to tolerate. Amen? We cannot tolerate the mixture of truth and error. Error mixed with truth is not only destructive, but it is also quite deceptive because it is more easily accepted by those who hear it. Sadly, the errors found in Calvinism often deceive people in churches, in good churches, and rob them of the truth of the Word of God. The Bible warns us in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 9, it says that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. A little leaven. Leaven is used in bread making, as you ladies know. It's used to accomplish three things in bread making. I thought this was interesting as I studied it. It's used to sour the dough, to puff it up, and to fill the dough with holes. That's kind of interesting when you compare it to Calvinism. <laughs> if, you have, if you ladies have ever made bread, you've seen what that does, and you know what I'm talking about. Leaven may be fine for bread... But it is damning for truth. And we must be aware that a little leaven, the the yeast, it doesn't just sour a small portion of the dough. It keeps working until all of the dough is leavened. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Theologically and doctrinally speaking, when error gets mixed into the truth, the same thing happens. It starts out with a little error, but that little error permeates all of the truth. And you end up having an unsound representation of truth that has been soured and puffed up and filled with holes of error until eventually you don't have any truth at all. All you have left is simply error. Now here's a simple way to remember this. Truth mixed with error does not equal truth. Truth mixed with error does not equal truth. 2 Timothy 4.3 says this, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And I'm afraid that describes much of Christianity today. Being ungrounded in their faith, many have gravitated towards teachers who have been just tickling the ears, so to speak, as the Word of God says. Rather than teaching the truth, the faithful truth of the Word of God. Many American church growers in our contemporary age have drawn only to that which appeals to them in one way or the other. And consequently, many of our churches are just entertaining and just trying to get, make, make people feel good. They're not carefully seeking to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says we are in 1 Peter 2 and verse 2 to desire as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. That word sincere means unadulterated, the pure Word of God. We're to desire the sincere milk of the Word. And yet the truths taught in God's Word are exactly what these folks need most. It's what we all need most. The lack of digesting the sincere milk of the Word leaves people unsettled in their faith And when we're ungrounded in the faith, either by choice or by not having been carefully taught the Word of God, it's easy for us to gravitate towards those teachers that are just tickling our ears and trying to make us feel good, rather than gravitating towards the faithful truth of the Word of God. In other words, it is easy to be led into false doctrine. Anytime you prefer to be pleased, rather than to know the truth... You open yourself up to error. That's exactly what 2 Timothy 4.4 4 tells us. It says, And they shall turn away their ears from truth and shall be turned unto fables. Turn away from the truth and turn to fables. Can you imagine forsaking the truth in favor of fables or fairy tales? Second Timothy four three and 4 should really serve as a warning to every one of us. False teachers abound today. And we must be careful. When the words of men become more preferred than the words of God, men end, up leave, men end up leaving the truth and turning to error. They turn their ears from sound doctrine. They forsake and abandon what the Bible clearly teaches. And that is a devastating sin. We must not forsake the truth for error. One of our teachers when I was at Tennessee Temple was a man by the name of Mark, Dr. Mark Cameron. He made this statement, truth will shape you and error will misshape you. Truth will shape you and error will misshape you. Let me ask you this question tonight. Is it the truth of the word of God that we really desire? Do we really want to know the truth? Do we desire to do what Paul said, rightly divide the Word of God? Or do we desire just to be entertained? Are we serious about the importance of sound doctrine? About knowing what the Bible says? If we are not, we could very easily forsake and abandon the Word of God and the truth of God's Word in favor of our own desires and wants and wishes and wanting to hear whatever pleases us, we must not be a part of the departure from the faith. So let me give you tonight five reasons why knowing doctrine, the true doctrine of the Word of God, is so valuable and important for us. Why is it so valuable that we know sound doctrine? Five reasons. First of all, doctrine is what enables us to recognize truth from error. You see, if we don't know the truth, how are we going to know what's wrong? What's error? And so we need to know the doctrine of the Word of God. In 1 John 4, six, the Apostle John warns that there are two spirits that exist in our world. They are the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We must be prepared to know which is which. Are we hearing the spirit of truth? Are we hearing the spirit of error? Knowing sound doctrine is what enables us to know the difference. It, it enables us to understand and, and to perceive what is the difference. First John 4 verse 1, John commanded believers, he said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now that verse tells us about the responsibility that we have as believers to try the spirits. He said we're to try or we're to test people who claim to be speaking for God. Why do we need to try and, try and test them? Because they may not be speaking for God. Amen. And if they're false and if they're teaching error, they definitely aren't speaking for God. The instruction on how to do that is given to us in verses two or three, two and three of 1 John chapter four. Look at those verses with me if you, for just a moment, if you would. 1 John, almost the end of your Bible, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and then Jude and Revelation. Look at 1 John chapter four. And we, I quoted for you verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. So how do we try them? How, that, how do we try? How do we test? How do we know if it's truth or error, if it's true or, or false? There are two specific things that are given to us here. There is a specific principle, and then there's a broader principle that's given to us. First of all, the specific principle is to test those that claim to be representing God by what they believe about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do they believe about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, if they see Jesus as anything less than God himself coming to this earth in human flesh, they are to be rejected as possessing the spirit of Antichrist. He says in verse number 2, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. And God says when anybody teaches anything other than Jesus is God and that he manifested himself in human flesh, we are to reject them as having that spirit of Antichrist. He says in verse number 3, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Now, we know that there's coming a time when the rapture is going to take place. We're going to be taken out of here as believers. We've talked about that many times. The Antichrist, he won't be called the Antichrist by the world. He'll be called the Christ. He'll be accepted as the Messiah. But the Antichrist will set up his rule and reign. We'll have a one-world government, a one-world monetary system, one-world religion. All of that's going to take place. The Antichrist may already be alive today. But what John is saying here, and he said this many years ago, he said that those who confess, that, who will not confess that Jesus is God in the flesh, they have that spirit of the Antichrist. The Antichrist in John's day was not there yet, but he said that spirit is already there. And we certainly have that spirit today. That, this same thought is given to us over in 2 John. Look over A couple of pages from 1 John. Look at 2 John, verse 7, 8, and 9. In 2 John, verse number 7, he says, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that ye lose not those things which ye have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ... The doctrine that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. John was pretty specific, amen? So how do we try these these teachers? How do we test these who claim to be representing God? What do they believe about Jesus Christ? And if they do not believe that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh, they are of the antichrist spirit. The broader principle that is given in these verses is that we're to use the doctrines of the word of God to test whether or not a person is teaching what is of God or not. In, in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20, it says, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. We have this thing on Facebook, some of you are on Facebook and Every now and then you'll see something, and it'll be facts checked. And it might say something about it's not true, it's been facts, fact checked. Well, as believers, not only do we need things to be fact checked, we need things to be Bible checked, amen? To make sure it's according to the Word of God. And to do this, we must be grounded in the sound doctrine of the Word of God. We must be forearmed, we must be prepared with God's Word. They tell us that people who work as bank tellers, and I think we have at least one in our church today, uh, that people who work as bank tellers recognize fake currency by studying true currency. In their familiarity with the real money, that enables them to detect the false or the fake money. Now, it's not necessarily their knowledge of fake money, but it is knowing the true And what helps us to know what false doctrine, what helps us to know what error is, is not that we study all the error, though sometimes we do that, but we study the truth. We get to know the true fundamental doctrines of the Word of God. And when you know the truth... Have you ever been watching a, a, a program, maybe a religious program on TV, or maybe you're somewhere and you hear a preacher on the radio, or and they say something, and, and you may not be able to put your finger on it, but you just say there's something not right about that. Why does it not sound right to us? Because we know the truth. Amen. And when something is brought up that is not true, we recognize, and the Holy Spirit of God convicts and tells and helps us to understand So we need to know the truth. The truth, doctrine is what enables us to recognize truth from error. Secondly, doctrine is what enables us to know what we believe and why we believe it. To know what we believe and why we believe it. I believe that the lack of doctrinal preaching in many of our churches and Christian schools today has brought some disastrous consequences and results in the church today. We have too too many church members all across America, that do not know for themselves what the Bible says, what they believe, or why they believe it. Many of those who do seem to possess at least some knowledge of sound doctrine cannot adequately turn to the Word of God and explain it. We now have hundreds of church members, young and old alike, who are truly not grounded in the Word of God and in the faith. The Mormon church, obviously, is a false religion. Mormons teach that Jesus and Satan are brothers. They, believe, they claim to believe the Bible, but they also claim to believe the Book of Mormon. But the Mormon church professes, I think it's 75 to 80 percent of their members have some type of other church background, and a large percentage of that have a Baptist church background. Now, why would somebody go from a church that teaches the truth to one that teaches error? It's because they have not been grounded in the Word of God. They do not know what they believe. Some years ago, we had a lady that came to church on a Sunday morning. She she came to church. The service had already started. And she came in late. She found a seat. She listened, and when I gave the invitation, she came forward and got saved that Sunday morning. And she said this to me. She said, I went to church this morning over on Buttermilk at the Mormon church. And she said, I sat down in church there, and something said to me, this is not where I'm supposed to be. And she said, I got up and left the service there and came here, and that day she got saved. Now, that's the way it ought to be. It ought not to be somebody going from here to the Mormon church. If somebody goes from here to the Mormon church, it's because they do not know sound doctrine. And unfortunately, many Baptist churches are not teaching sound doctrine. God warns us in Ephesians 4 and verse 14, he said that we should be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. God says they lie and wait to deceive. Spiritual deception is prevalent today all across our country because the church at large, and preachers in particular, have failed to teach believers the true doctrine of the Word of God. And Yet Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12 and 13, 14 15 teach us that that's one of the very reasons why God gave the church pastors and teachers It is so that we can teach what the Bible says so that we are not still children tossed to and fro. We as pastors desperately need to be grounded in the truth and the knowledge of the doctrine of the Word of God and then communicate that to our church flock. We've got to get back to doctrinal preaching in our churches today. There are too many untaught believers and they are not sound in the faith. They do not know what they believe They cannot demonstrate from the Word of God why they believe what they believe. So, let's face it, as Christians, we don't just need to be motivated as we listen to the preaching of the Word of God. We don't need to just be challenged. We need to be taught the doctrines of the Word of God so that we can know what we believe and why we believe it. So doctrine, first of all, it enables us to recognize truth and error. Secondly, it is what enables us to know what we believe and why we believe. If I asked you tonight, what do you believe? What are the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith? Could you tell me what they are? Then could you take your Bible and show me where they are in the Bible? We need to know what we believe and why we believe. Thirdly, doctrine is what enables us to be settled And steadfast in our faith. To be settled and steadfast in our faith. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 talks about every Christian's need to be rooted and built up in Christ and established in the faith. In other words, we in our Christian life need to grow to the place of maturity. That we begin to understand and absorb the truths of God's Word. We build them into our lives. We understand them. They become a a part of our life. It's one of the reasons why we encourage you to memorize and meditate on God's Word. We're trying to not just get it in your head, but get it in your heart. So that we know it. And so that we're growing and understanding. We are rooted and built up. It strengthens our roots. You see we more easily go on to fruitfulness as a believer if we are properly rooted, if we're grounded, if we are properly instructed in the Word of God. Again, as I said earlier, Peter told us as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may, what? Grow thereby. Grow thereby. We need the Word of God. In Ephesians Paul said to the, pastors in, or to the Ephesian pastors in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, he said, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. God says we're to feed the church of God. One of my goals as a pastor has always been, I don't want to just preach, I want to feed the flock. And I want to help us to grow and mature and develop and to be all that God wants us to be. Feeding the church requires a diet rich in the doctrinal truths of the Word of God. And that type of a diet will establish us. It will help the sincere believer to be rooted and grounded and strong in the Lord. It will help us to be sound in our biblical teaching so that we can be the Christians that God wants us to be. It enables us as a church to be doctrinally healthy. It enables us to be vibrant in our faith for the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58, many of you know the verse Paul talks about it. He says, we are to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's the kind of Christians God wants us to be. Steadfast, unmovable, abounding in the work of God. Not tossed to and fro because we're not grounded, because we're immature in the faith. Being unmovable in the faith is a drastic contrast to being swayed and tossed to and fro by Satan's false teachers and false doctrine. The Bible tells us that Satan is like a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5.8 warns us about him, but he goes on in verse 9 of 1 Peter 5 and says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith the way we're going to be able to resist the roaring lion is if we have some doctrinal, sound doctrinal teaching that will help us to be able to stand fast in the faith. He says, whom resists steadfast in the faith. We cannot be settled and steadfast, nor hope to resist the wicked one if we do not know our faith, if we do not know what we believe and why we believe it. And So we need to learn sound doctrine and the truth of God's word. In order to do that, 2 Timothy 2 verse 2 tells us that the church needs faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Every generation of believers faces the challenge that we must take what we have been taught, we must take what we believe in the Word of God and pass it on to the next generation so that they can carry it on in their generation and pass it on to the next generation. In Titus 1 verse 6 and again in verse 9 It points out that a pastor is to be blameless man, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayer. That's not the same as having impressive sermon points or charisma or eloquent speaking abilities. Pastors are to proclaim the sound doctrine of the word of God from the pulpit in such a manner that we persuade our hearers to the truth. To believe the truth of God's word. So doctrine, then, is what enables us to recognize truth from error. Secondly, it's what enables us to know what we believe and why we believe it. Thirdly, it is what enables us to be settled and steadfast in our faith. Fourthly, doctrine is what enables us to answer people's questions and objections. Can we answer the questions of other people? The Apostle Peter gave a powerful charge in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. He said, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. God squarely places the responsibility on us who are believers to be able to answer questions of those who do not believe what we believe. In fact, he says, be ready always to do so. And if we do not have a clear, clear understanding of the Word of God, we will not be able to give an answer to those who do not believe. The world, including our children, have far too many unanswered questions. We must equip ourselves and equip our children to be able to give answers and to have answers for the questions that, they are, that are, they are seeking answers for. They must learn the doctrine of the Word of God, and we must learn it as well. Learning means studying. I wonder how many of us really do any studying in the Word of God. Paul said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. We read it and we challenge you to read it. And some of you read through your Bible in a year or six months or whatever and you'll read. But do we really take time to study God's word? Are we we building it into our life without a clear understanding of the word of God? We are ill-equipped to answer the questions that the world has for us. The world is looking for the answers. The Bible is much more than just an inspirational thought for the day. We must learn to study. We must get back to the Bible. Learning sound doctrine is important because we are to be ready always to give an answer. And then the fifth thing is doctrine is what enables us to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. It enables us to earnestly contend for the faith. This command is given to us in Jude verse 3. To contend for the faith is to take a stand To fight against everybody and everything that deviates from the truth of the Word of God that's given to us in the Bible. As Christians, we're to uphold the Word of God. We're to defend the Word of God. We're to protect the Word of God. We're to preserve the Word of God. According to 1 Timothy 3.15, the Bible says that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. If we do not know the truth, if we do not know what sound doctrine is, how can carry out that command. How can we protect? How can we defend? How can we preserve? How can we uphold the truth? We must learn true doctrine, sound doctrine. Stand up for it. And as Jude said, earnestly contend for the faith. As I said earlier in the message, Calvinism teaches truth that is corrupted by serious error. There are those who are caught up in Calvinism who often believe that they are, they are, they believe they're very good students of the Word of God. It's going to take good understanding on our part of the Word of God and of sound doctrine to be able to see where they err from the truth of Scripture. We must therefore know the Bible ourselves and be ready to give an answer. Romans chapter 16 and verse 17 says this, Once we know the truth and we understand the truth, then we must be willing to mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. When there are those who are teaching false doctrine or are pushing false doctrine, the Bible says you mark them and you avoid them. The word mark literally means to take aim at or mark. That is, we are to identify and to label as false teachers. I've had sometimes people say to me, well, you shouldn't talk about other religions Well, God says we should mark them. We should identify them. We should avoid them. And all the false teachers are not in other religions. Amen? Amen. Paul said after he was gone, there would be false teachers that will creep in unawares. And God's Word instructs us that we're to call a false teacher what they are. And then he goes on, he says, Mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. The word avoid means very simply to avoid. (laughs) To go out of the way to avoid them. Uh, A word that maybe we're more familiar with is to shun. When somebody's teaching false doctrine, it doesn't mean that we can't ever talk to them. We ought to have answers for them. But there's sometimes when we have to separate ourselves from people who are teaching and preaching false doctrine and false teaching... And we're to take this seriously. We're to understand that it's not something we take lightly. God says mark them. He says avoid them. Romans sixteen eighteen goes on to say, For they that are such, those that espouse false doctrine, serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speech deceive the hearts of the simple. It's interesting. The word simple means innocent or unsuspecting. A lot of times our children are simple, aren't they? They're innocent. They're unsuspecting. We have to be willing to protect them. He says that these, with their fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. There was a a young lady just recently that I heard of who was raised in a Christian home. In fact, her grandparents came to our church. They both have passed away some years ago. And this young lady recently graduated from college, and some of her comments and statements let me know very quickly that she had been, as far as I'm concerned, brainwashed in one of our public colleges. Even to the point where not only does she not want anything to do with the Bible and things of God, she says, I'm moving to Spain. I I, I hate America. Boy, I'm just saying our young people are simple and they're being brainwashed. And if we don't have answers to give to them, we're going to lose them. If we don't have strong doctrinal preaching in our churches today, far too many of the simple ones are going to be deceived, and that's the purpose of the devil, to deceive them. They are very vulnerable to the false teaching and the false doctrine, especially in our churches of Calvinism that's going on today. Once we know the truth, as lovingly and kindly as, as we can, but as firmly as we need to be, we, was, we must warn those in our churches of false doctrine and false teaching. May we be willing to invest the time and the energy and the effort that it takes to study the Word of God in order that we can come to a true understanding of sound doctrine and then we can take a stand on the Word of God And we can teach and strengthen and help those who are simple so that they can mature and become what God wants them to be. I put this last statement on your notes. I want you to remember it. When we get to heaven, none of us will regret having been true to the Word of God. Amen? You'll never regret staying true to the Word of God. Now, Don't let the devil come along and say, well, I don't know everything that I need to know, so I must be terrible, or I must be... No. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, God loves to take us where we are and teach us and mature us and develop us and help us to grow so that we become what He wants us to be. Amen? And so tonight, I trust that each one of us will commit our own hearts and lives to say, Lord, I don't have all the answers. And I've been preaching for 53 years now, almost 54 years. And you know what? I don't have all the answers either. But I'm still learning. I'm still growing and maturing. And that's what God wants for every single one of us. He's more concerned with the direction in which we're headed than where we are right now. And God will take you if you'll allow him through his word to develop you and mature you. And may it be our goal to say, Lord, I want to have the answers. I want to know what I believe and why I believe it. And I want to be able to answer the questions to others and point them to the truth of the word of God. So let me ask you this in closing. Is sound doctrine important? Amen. Is it important that we know sound doctrine? Amen. Absolutely. Sound doctrine is what enables us to recognize truth and error. It enables us to know what we believe and why we believe it. It enables us to be settled and steadfast in our faith. It enables us to answer people's questions and objections. It enables us to earnestly contend for the faith, Stand for the faith of the truth of the Word of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for the sound doctrine that's given to us in your Word. Would you help us to learn and to grow and to develop? We don't have all the answers, but we sure can learn some of the answers. And we can be a better testimony. We cannot be tossed to and fro because we don't know what the Bible says. When we hear false doctrine, we will recognize it because we know the truth. And what we hear that's false doesn't match up with the truth, and so we know it's error. Give us wisdom. Give us persistence. Give us determination. Give us a heart to better know you and to better know the word that you've given to us. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.